Welcome to the anointed and transformational teaching ministry of Pastor Walea Kinshiku, Senior Pastor of House of Praise Mississauga, Canada, a parish of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. It is our prayer that as you listen to this message, that you will be empowered to achieve your dreams and fulfill your destiny. God bless you as you listen. Inspired by God. 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 15 to 18. 2 Kings chapter number 3, verse 15 to 18. I want to speak on the topic, inspired by God. Inspired by God. Inspired by God. 2 Kings 3, 15. Now, bring me a musician. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. He's talking about Elisha here. And he said, this is Elisha now, Thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see the wind, nor shall you see the rain. Yet the valley shall be filled with water. So that you, your cattle, your animals may drink. Mm-hmm. This is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. Father, we thank you for your word. We receive your word, thanksgiving, in Jesus' name. Inspired by the word. Quickly, what do I mean? I mean, to be inspired by God which also the word, please notice this. To be inspired by God or by the word means, number one, to be empowered by God to see a way where there is no logical way out. To be empowered by God to see a way where there is no logical way out of a situation. But you see a way where there is no logical way out. No logical way out. But you see a way. Be empowered by God. Number two, to be inspired by God means to be empowered by God to see a solution when you hit a dead end. To be empowered by God to see a solution when you hit a dead end. To see a solution when you hit a dead end. Remember number one, it means to be empowered by God to see a way where there is no logical way out. To be empowered by God to see a solution when you hit a dead end. And finally, what do I mean by inspired by God? It means to be empowered by God to move beyond a logical mindset into a miracle mindset. To move beyond a logical mindset into a miracle mindset. Somebody say miracle mindset. In the story we just read, the story actually is Second Kings chapter three. You can read the whole of Second Kings chapter three, you know, uh, for familiarization with the full story. But basically, I will summarize the story to you. The story is that there is a country, a nation, 
called Moab. Moab. Okay? So this nation was paying tributes, which you can also call taxes by force. Alright? To the nation of Israel, which was, you know, in those days, if a nation conquers another nation, they put them under tribute. In other words, they tell them you're going to be paying this amount of money. Okay, well, they weren't really paying in money. They pay in cattle, in agricultural produce, basically. So they were paying tribute. But the king of Israel died. His name was Ahab. So he's, he's dead. So Ahab died. His son, called Joram, was now ruling. So when the son came there, there was a change in leadership. Suddenly the king of Moab saw an opportunity. So he said, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not paying the tribute anymore. So the Bible called it rebelled in verse 5. So he rebelled against the king of Israel. He said, no, I'm not paying the tribute anymore. Now when that happens in those days, please follow me, when that happens in those days, the nation to which the tribute was being paid that received the tribute will now have to go and enforce it. That's called war. So you now have to attack that nation and say, what do you mean you're not paying? And attack them and so on and so forth. So I'm forced them to keep on paying. And perhaps even increase the tributes. So that's what the king of Israel wanted to do. So here was the king of Israel. He is about to go and attack the king of Moab. Are you following the story? But he didn't want to go alone. So he called on his neighboring nation, the nation of Judah, the southern kingdom of the original Israel. So as at this time, the nation of Israel has been divided into two. Northern part is called Israel. Southern part is called Judah. All right. So he called on the nation of Judah. Then they also call on a third ally called Edom. If you remember a familiar Bible story, Edom, um, Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. So Jacob is the one that you know, became the father of Israel, the Israelites. Esau is the one that became the father of the Edomites. So they called on this nation. Anyway, so there were three nations, nation of Israel, nation of Judah, and what's the third nation? Edom. So thank you very much. So they're going now to attack Moab. So that's the story. So on their way then, they made an inquiry and said, hey, you know what, which way should we go to go attack, which is going to be the favorite way, to go attack the nation of Moab for us to have victory? And somebody said, you go by the wilderness. So all right, no problem. Okay, so they went and started going through the wilderness. They had, in those days when you're traveling like that, you know, particularly when the royals are in the entourage, the three kings are there, you are going to have, and it still happens to this day, when you're going through the wilderness, you, you need to have a lot of inventory. If you don't have inventory of anything, you have to carry an inventory of water. Very important. So they normally will carry a lot of water. But it happens that when they got somewhere in the wilderness, and if you've ever been around anything wilderness or watch a YouTube video, on the Sahara Desert or any other wilderness. One characteristic of the wilderness is that when you get into the midst of it, anywhere you look seems the same. You get lost easily. So they got there, somehow they got lost. They couldn't figure out their bearing anymore. They could, not, they could not tell where they were. Are, are we going north? Are we going south? Is this south? Is this north? Where are we coming from? I mean, it was just all, they just could not figure out their, they lost their bearing. So, of course, while this was going on, they were running out of water of the water they had in their inventory. Is anybody still following? 
So they were running out of water. They were taking the water. Don't worry, don't worry. Still keep on taking it. We're going to figure it out soon. We're going to figure it out. They kept on trying to figure it out. You know, but all this while, they couldn't figure it out. The more they tried to figure it out by themselves, the more they could not figure it out. The more they were taking the water and depleting their resources. Then suddenly, they ran out of the resources. And then, they started saying to themselves, whoa, we're out of resources. We're trapped in the wilderness. We're all going to die. All of our animals are going to die. And all of that. Then eventually, one person said, you know what? Why don't you just let us go and seek a man of God here. Seek God through the ministry of a man of God here called Elisha. He has a reputation because he came from the ministry of Elijah. The spirit of Elijah is upon him. And the word, word of God is with him. Anyway, so they, they went, that's the verse 12, they went to seek Eli, uh, the God through the ministry of Elisha, and then that's where we now started reading from verse 16. Elisha now told them, Give me, bring me a musician. The musician played, and he was now inspired by God to show them a solution when they hit a dead end. He was now inspired by God for them to have a miracle mindset where they had a logical mindset. He was now inspired by God to show them a way where there was no logical way out of the wilderness. Is anybody here with me now? So from this story today, I want to share with you four very important points. Okay? And try and help you and myself by the Holy Spirit to see similarities between what is going on with these people and what is going on perhaps with you and I today. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We honor you. The first thing I want you to see here, the first point I want to make is this. The wilderness is not the end of the journey. Please write it down. The wilderness is not the end of the journey. That's the first point I want to make. The wilderness is not the end of the journey. In 2 Kings chapter 3, Verse 6 to 8, 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 6 to 8, they found themselves in the wilderness. Okay? So King Jehoram went out to Samaria at that time and mustered all of Israel. And they said, what, verse 8, which way shall we go up? And he answered, by the way of the wilderness of Edom. But please understand, you and I in life, please hear me clearly, as a Christian, you and I can never mature, mature into the fullness of who Christ has called us to be, the full stature of Christ without passing through the wilderness. Please hear me clearly. Christian growth and Christian maturity has many ingredients to it. The primary ingredient is commitment to the study of the Word of God. But it also involves prayer. It also involves kingdom service. But one other thing is also involved, please hear me clearly, is experiential knowledge. Experiential knowledge. An opportunity to apply what you have learned theoretically in challenging times. What you have learned in scripture, an opportunity to apply it in challenging times. That's how we grow. 
we don't just grow by you know reading the Bible and the Bible says the Lord is my light and salvation Psalm 27 verse 1 whom shall I fear the Lord is the strength of my life whom shall I be afraid so then you go to a Bible study group and say um, today we're going to ask questions around who can give us a scripture that talks about uh, fear in the Bible and that we should not fear and someone says excuse me excuse me sir I can give you a scripture it's a lawyer. the brother has put up his hand can you tell us the scripture and the brother and you say <clears throat> the Bible says God has not given us the spirit of fear but of love of power and of a sound mind they say oh wow wonderful that's an amazing scripture brother just go there another sister puts up his hand and says the Lord is my light and my salvation who shall I fear the Lord is the strength of my life of whom shall I be afraid wow fantastic that's great that's understandable but that's mind knowledge coming out of your memory now for you to that doesn't mean you have grown it just means you have started the process for you to really, really, really know that you know that scripture, there have to be situations that bring fear to you that you use that scripture to attack and conquer the fear. Does it make sense to you now? Yeah. That's what really makes you grow. So the fact that you are in the wilderness does not mean you have offended God. The fact that you are going through a difficult period, just like the whole world is going through a difficult period now, churches are going through difficult periods across the world, individuals are going through difficult periods, businesses are going through difficult periods, careers are going through a lot of commotion, and so families are, you know, families are going through difficult periods. Somebody has left their place of work to stay with the children because the children are at home during this pandemic. One, one of the two you know, either husband and wife have decided that you know, when you stay at home with the kids and all that, then the schools open. Then four weeks later, they tell you, oh, come and pack your, clean your, up your locker because your children are going to be at home again. It's just the, 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 the uncertainty. But this is the season of the wilderness whereby we now test what we have learned. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? Oh, by his stripes, I'm here. Uh, none of the inhabitants of Zion shall say I'm sick. You know, and, and, and so on and so forth. He himself took my infirmity. Oh, that's great. Fantastic. You're right. But then one day, maybe somebody around you or you yourself, you get attacked. Then you have to test that scripture. It doesn't mean you have offended God. It just means it's an opportunity to test the scripture. Someone say, test the scripture. Oh, say it like you mean it. Test the scripture. The wilderness is not the end of the journey. One of the biggest lies of the, of the devil, please listen carefully to me, is to constantly retell you and remind you that he has told you that your life will end in that wilderness. Do you know that when you take an elevator, and I've taken some, some elevators that are very, you know, you just keep going and going, like the one on St. Tower in Toronto, you get into it and you say to yourself, oh Jesus, did I make a mistake? You know, it just keeps going and going and going and so on and so forth. You know, because you know the building is tall, or the Empire State Building, and you know, and other buildings around the world like that. But you see, the big, the biggest challenge is not that it's far. The biggest challenge is that you don't know which floor you are in, on. You don't know how close you are to the end. You just, you just seem to be stuck. Am I speaking to anybody at all? You just seem to be stuck. You know, if somebody said to us now that, oh, guys, don't worry about it. On 11th of February, as an example, just as an example, if somebody said authoritatively, by 11th of February 2022, everything will be back to normal, this whole thing will be gone, and so on and so forth, exactly 
11th of February, for example, if somebody has said that I'm not prophesying, I'm telling you using an illustration. Okay, let somebody go and cut this particular clip. Because there are strange people all across the world today. Okay, okay. And, 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 and you know, and the person say, and giving us a, a specific time and saying that it's, the thing is going to be gone. You know, it will be easier to endure it. The reason why we can't, it's difficult to endure these things is when you don't know when it will end. If you're going through a challenge right now, you know, trusting God for marriage, uh, marriage partner, marriage, and what have you, however you want to describe it, you know, life partner, I don't know how you want to describe it. And, and, and somebody tells you, don't worry. I can see on exactly 18th of September next year, you're married. You know, it has to be different. When you wake up this morning, you wake up with joy. You'll be singing. Oh, you know, you'll be whistling around the whole house. Somebody says, why are you so happy? You so, you know, you'll be preparing for your wedding and all of that. Because you know the end date. What makes the wilderness difficult is that you don't know how close you are to the promised land. You don't even know if you're in the right direction. You don't know if these 25 years you've been going through this wilderness, maybe you are closer to where you started from than where you're going. That's what makes it difficult. Where you can see the end. But you know, you know so naturally we want to result into sight. Wilderness experience. If you're sick in your body, and somebody tells you, don't worry, in three days' time, like they told Ezekiah in the Bible, you will rise up from your sickness bed, you'll be in the temple. Oh, it will be easier. But when you don't know, you know, and God will bless all of our health workers. I'm going to be praying for them first Sunday in the month of January. These are extremely special people. If we never knew we needed them, these last two years have shown us they're extremely important people. Yes, let's, let's clap for them. Everybody that works in the health industry, every one of them from the PSW all the way to the top surgeon and top consultant, these people are very, very important. They're risking their lives for us every single time. You know, we never knew, you know, if, you know, you know we have fire extinguishers, we have um, pool stations, we have emergency doors, we have fire alarm, we have, you pay insurance in your house, probably $60, $70, $80, depending on the size of your house, for... Uh, I don't know, um, insurance for your own house. But sometimes you look at it, the, they're taking this money again, it's a waste of money. Uh, <laughs> it's because you haven't seen fire. Suddenly when there's fire, you say, ah, thank God for this insurance. Ah, $60 a month. How cheap compared to the price of this money. We don't know how valuable the things around us are until we go through these challenges. What makes it difficult is that we don't know the date. The wilderness will But God is asking to tell somebody here today, the wilderness is not the end of your journey. Yeah. But let me say this to you. What is the purpose of the wilderness then? Why does God allow us to go to the wilderness? Please listen carefully to me. So you don't miss the lesson of the wilderness. The wilderness is the place where our pride dies and divine purpose is birthed. The wilderness is the place where our pride dies. Listen carefully. The wilderness is the place where our what? Pride dies. And what is birthed? Divine purpose. Purpose is birthed. Pride is killed. Purpose is birthed. The wilderness is the place where self sufficiency is replaced by God dependency they came they left their houses with water 
you know, and all of that filled in their tanks, in their inventory thinking, oh, we're going to go through the wilderness. It normally takes about three days. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. This water is going to take us seven days. But suddenly, there is a way they finish the old water, self-dependency. Now they have to depend on God giving them water. If not, they will die. The wilderness is the place where you learn how to depend on God and not depend on yourself. The bitterness is the place where you learn to trust in God and not in the arm of flesh. Do you understand what I've just said? Wilderness. You know, you know it's one thing to, you know, it's not to say, oh, I believe in God. Oh, I believe in God. But you say you believe in God, but you actually believe in man. You're not looking unto God. You're just reading the scripture. I believe in God, but you're actually looking unto man. But the wilderness is the place whereby men fail you. Not because they are bad people, but because they are men. Uh, just, just men. That's it. Man is limited. Say, help us, oh God, for vain is the help of man. man. Every man, every man, man of God, woman of God, not man of God, man of the devil, man of Satan, man of any man is limited. Do you agree? That's why the Bible says God is not the man unless you lie, which means men by nature. Men don't have that capacity. So, the wilderness is the place where men will fail you. You will now have to look up to the hills from where comes my help. The help will come from God. The wilderness is the place whereby you thought your husband would be this for you, and your husband was this. That's why many marriages are under tremendous pressure in this season. A lot of marriages under pressure in this season. Why? The wilderness. It's not the, sometimes, oh, it's the pandemic that caused the stress. The pandemic did not cause the stress. Pandemics exposed what was there. The fact that husband and wife cannot actually sit down and talk. But you will know when we're all in a hurry. I'm cutting my trade now. The man is putting on the jacket in the morning. Where's my coffee? Where's my bottle? Coffee bottle. I'm running late. We'll talk about it, honey. Honey, we'll talk about it. I call her and runs to the train station. By the time he gets home, runs back home. I have some, I still have some work to do my laptop. Doing the work. Ah, then he sleeps off. No time to talk. Your wife says, we need to talk about this. You know, there's something, something. something. Oh, only we'll talk about it. I have delivery. Deliverable, deliverable. Then, then, what's it called now? Then this pandemic comes, they tell the man to go and sit at home. <laughs> and tell him, go and deliver with your wife at home. Sit down at home. No deliverable, nothing, no go train to start. Even the go train driver says, I'm not driving. I'm not going anywhere. Go train, no go train, nothing, nowhere to rush to. Sit in your house. You know, Ontario government told us this. At the beginning of the pandemic, they said, this is the Ontario government. Stay at home. <laughs> that was the advice. The dollar was saying, hug your wife at home. You know? so, so now you're at home. You wake up in the morning. Mm, good morning. Mm, good morning. Mm, mm. You know, <laughs> the other day, the other day uh, Thompson and I went out. You know, we drove, we went out, and we came back home. So my son came to say hello to us. So he greeted Thompson and said, Oh, welcome back, mom. Thompson said, Oh, how are you? He greeted me. And I, I, I thought I answered. <laughs> and I, I thought I answered. So after about five minutes, I just saw that he was just the topsy. What's going on here? He said, he said he greeted you, he did not answer. I, I said, but I've answered now. He said, Thompson said, you too. You, you open your mouth and answer the now. When somebody greeted you. I said, but I answered. So Thompson, Thompson, I thought Thompson was going to support me and say, the father answered, you're just the one I did not hear. Shouldn't that be the right answer? She said, you know, your, your dad is an African man. That's how they answer these things. Sometimes. 
You can be moody sometimes. <laughs> you can be moody sometimes. You know, the truth is that this thing just exposes everything that is in you. Excuse me, the morning, say, Hey, hi, sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Shall I make your tea for you today? So, no, I'll take coffee. Ah, okay. I'll make coffee. One sugar, two sugar. No, I'll make it myself. It was just a question. It's just a question. He exposes, then you just sit down. You can't talk. Because there's nothing to talk about. One man told me many years ago, you know, I found it very strange. The man told me he was about to get married to a lady. So they went to a restaurant. You know, they've been having some challenges, but they now decided that, you know, we're going to settle it and all of that. They came to church, gave their lives. Then I said, no, 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 no. Well, at least they said they keep their lives, you know. So they said, you know, we're going to settle this and we're going to get married. This was, I mean, some 15 years ago, thereabout. So they now, the man now said, just to, you know, make sure everything, nothing is, you no. Know, so we have nothing against us. So they now went to the restaurant, sat down. Now, give them the menu. Okay, can I give you a glass of water? Oh, yeah, yeah. Starting water, reading the menu. So they don't took the menu up. They now lifted the menu. They didn't see each other. So they started reading the menu. So the, the waiter came and said, uh, have you decided what you... He said, no, not yet. No, no, I said, under the menu. No, not yet, not yet. Then they put the menu down. When they decided, there was nothing to say. The both of them told me this. So they picked up the menu again. They started looking. So when the man... So the, the lady came, took all their orders, and went away. Before the food was ready, which was probably around 30 minutes, approximately it takes, before they, they brought the food to the table, they started fighting. So both of them left the table and left. When they brought the food to the table, they didn't meet them. <laughs> they could not even stand each other for 30 minutes, and they were about to get married. I won't tell you how the story ended. You're smart people, you can, you can deduct that. The wilderness is not the end of our journey. Someone says it's not the end of my journey. This one will also pass. The fact that you have no job today, it will also pass. You might seem lonely today, it will also pass. This wilderness is not the end of your journey. Somebody say, it's not the end of my journey. Oh, say it like you're a believer. It's not the end of my journey. Now, the biggest point... There are four points. If I can't get to the whole points, I'll leave it. But the biggest point I want to say here is in verse 9 and 10. So let's read it first. While they were in the wilderness, the king of Israel went to the king of Judah. This is the king of Israel, a child of covenant. Notice this now. Went to the king of Judah, another child of covenant. Both of them are Abraham's seed. Is that true? And the king of Edom and they marched on that roundabout route seven days. There was no water for the army, nor for the animals that followed them. Please look at the next thing. Then the king of Israel said, now this king of Israel, this is the seed of Abraham now. He said, alas for the Lord, the Lord, the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of what? This is what is called the categorical statement. A categorical statement. He did not say, I think the Lord has. He didn't say, I'm, I'm, it looks like. He, says, he said it like he had heard clearly from God. The Lord has called us to deliver us in the hand of Moab. This is the point I want to make. And this is the main point of today. Beware of forming doctrines 
from your wilderness experience. Don't form a doctrine from your wilderness experience. And don't agree with a doctrine from somebody else's wilderness experience. Thank you, Lord. Don't form a doctrine from your what? Wilderness experience. Don't form a doctrine from your wilderness experience. What is a doctrine? A doctrine is the systematic arrangement of truth. Systematic arrangement of truth. For example, we have the doctrine of salvation. So if I want to teach the doctrine of salvation, I will tell you that man is completely deprived. Lesson number one. So as a result of that, he's completely lost. Okay? Then God is a just God. Lesson number two. He has to judge sin, the depravity of man, which, man, which means man is going to hell. But lesson number three, God is a God of love. He has to find a solution. Lesson number four. God, because he's finding a solution, he sent his only begotten son called Jesus Christ because the soul that sinned must die. Lesson number five, Jesus now came as a substitute to die for our own sins. Lesson number six, so that we can take his own place and be saved. So he went to hell for us so that we can now go to heaven. And lesson number seven, all the glory be to God. So how do we now get into salvation? Lesson number seven, we now access that salvation for through grace. By grace we are saved through faith. Okay? Not of works, lest any man should boast. That is the doctrine of salvation in summary. That is the lesson topic. Now, it is a systematic arrangement of truth. This is amazing that most, sorry, I withdraw that, many important doctrines floating about now, now, in the body of Christ, have not come from scripture. They've come from people's wilderness. And I want to say this to you, please, you have to be very careful so it doesn't destroy your life. Many doctrines floating about in the body of Christ today have not come from Scripture. They've not been scripturally inspired. They're not biblically verified. They have come from people's experiences, wilderness experiences particularly. I have had some very, very, very unpleasant, we should say, experiences. But I've always warned people when I share my experiences, don't form a doctrine on that. Don't form a doctrine on that. For example, when I started pastoring, you know, uh, uh, I went through for an appreciable number of years very serious level of poverty, okay, based on some choices I made, okay. The leadership of the church said, you know what, you're now a full-time pastor, we're going to remunerate, you know, give you some stipend, to, you know, for you to be able to, they said that. I said no. I personally said no. So, and, and I, I said no, and I went into the wilderness. Thank you, Jesus. And I went through tremendous poverty. Okay? All of my credits, history, everything was destroyed, it was messed up. I, the church was doing very well. Church was flying, church was doing well. It was in the midst of this that we bought a $1 million building in 2003. Church was doing very well. But, I went into very serious financial problems. But if a pastor is coming now and says, Pastor Wally, Pastor Wally, 
you know, went through all of this. So I'm just going through my own because that's the way God, that's what God has done in House of Praise. That's the way God lifts people. No, no, no. Pastor Wale's ignorance took him through that and kept him there until light came to him by the mercy of God. Are you following? You don't form a doctrine based on that. You don't form a doctrine based on experiences. You are a minister of God. You pray for the first person to be healed. The Bible says you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You pray for the first person, lay hands on them, they did not recover. Second person, they did not recover. Third person, they did not recover. And you say, well, sometimes God heals, sometimes God does not heal. That's the doctrine from experience. Even as I'm saying that, somebody's mindset is pushing it back. I say, but it's true. That's the experience that is talking, not scripture. Are you hearing me now? Because Matthew chapter 12 Verse 15 says, Jesus healed them all. He healed them all. If he healed them all once, that is still who he is today. If healing them all is against the will of God, then Jesus sinned. But Hebrews 4.15 tells us that he was yet without sin. That's how you do doctrine. You interpret scripture with scripture, not experience. Are you following what I'm saying? This thing has destroyed many lives. People today, one of the doctrines that is floating about today in a very subtle manner is that God is not reliable. God is not reliable. That is it's very subtle. But God is not. You know, and it's being perpetuated, of course. I told you this. Satan has more vessels to work in, work with, agents to work with inside the church than outside of the church. Those agents, also known as carnal Christians, we have to be very careful. People have formed all manners of doctrines. When God wants to answer prayer, sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, sometimes he says wait. No. That's not true. That's no scripture. There's no scripture for that. There's no scriptural revelation to back that up. What the Bible actually says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 is that all of the promises of God in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, not in a particular church or denomination, but in Christ Jesus, not in a particular prayer ground, but in Christ Jesus, they are yea. Give me that scripture, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I think it's verse 21. Verse 20. Okay. Verse 20. Let's look at the NLC. All, look at it now. All of God's promises have what? Have come on, speak. Speak to me, church. That tells you how prevalent the doctrine is. You're even struggling to read the Bible that is, you can read. You're struggling to read it because it's conflicting with something in your mind. And your, what you have had in your mind, your tradition is nullifying what the scripture is saying. All of the promises. How many of the promises? What has happened to those promises? Fulfilled, please. I'm not, please, I'm not suggesting another might challenge your intelligence. This is just a simple question for meditation purposes. Is fulfilled, is it past tense or present tense? So that means that when Christ came, all of the promises, all of the promises, including the one that says, I will take sickness away from the midst of thee, is been fulfilled. The one that says, Whatever you lay your hands on shall prosper, is been fulfilled. Do you agree? The one that says you will be the head and not the tail is fulfilled. The one that says no weapon formed against you shall prosper is fulfilled. The one that we just read today that says with long life I will satisfy you is fulfilled. But fulfilled in who? Not in a denomination. Not in a particular pastor. Not under a particular anointing. But in who? 
Yes, Yeshua Mashiach. Christ, the Messiah, is fulfilled in him. So in embracing and understanding the word of redemption and celebrating the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross of Calvary positions you to partake of what has been fulfilled, not what will be fulfilled. It's very difficult not to doubt what will be done, but you can never doubt what has been done. You know, if somebody tells you that, as a priest is going to be holding a service next week Sunday, somewhere along this Dixie Road, and you go into the first warehouse, you don't see any there. Maybe you go to number 4,000, 4, Dixie Road. You look like maybe you see somebody that you know. You see Pastor Nee, he's, walk, he's just walking there. That they may probably you want to buy corn on the cob early in the morning. You don't know. He's, he's just walking to the place. And you see him say, um, hello? Uh, he says, no, 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 no. no, 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 no. You say, oh, they're not using this place. After you go to three or four places, you begin to doubt. But now that you were here this Sunday at 3105 Dixie Road, next week Sunday, you are not doubting it. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? Because it has been fulfilled. We're coming, we're coming, we're coming to a new building, new building. Now it has been fulfilled. You're not doubting it. You enter into the place you know. If, if 10 a.m. next to Sunday, the door is not open, you say, ah, why? Your attitude is not, ah, it's the church. You say, ah, why? Your attitude is different. So when, if you don't see it happening, your attitude is, ah, why? It should happen because it has been fulfilled already. I'm not begging God to do it. I'm thanking God because he has done it. Please, my son, try your best to believe this thing as a young man. Because this, what I've just said right now is life and death. It saved me from death. I'm not saying I'm going to have a wonderful future. I'm not praying, oh God, if only you can perchance have mercy on me to have a wonderful I'm not saying that. Satan, hear me clearly. I'm not saying I will have a wonderful future. I'm telling you what I have in Christ Jesus. I have a wonderful future with a happy ending. So shut up. I don't have to roll on the floor, roll on the floor. Oh God, if you want to have a future, oh God, if you want to have No, the life of Christ was cut short at 33 so I could have a long life. When Abraham believed God, it was more difficult than what I'm believing God now. Abraham believed God for what is going to be done. I'm believing God for what has been done. Find a way to believe what I'm telling you because it's scripture. I don't, told you, well, Pastor, what if you are wrong? I don't mind. I will be the first person to put up my hand if you're wrong. Show me the scripture in the Bible. You know, this, let's have a scriptural conversation, not a cultural conversation, not a traditional conversation. Mark 7, 13 says you have counseled. Jesus Christ said it himself. You have made the word of God of no effect. In other words, you have tied the hand of God because the word of God is God because of tradition. Tradition tells you that when you go up, you know, you know, people go up, people come down. You know, life is undulating. People go up. Sometimes they mountain top. Another day is a valley. You can't have mountain and not have valley. What, what are we talking about? Are we talking about geography? Are we talking about scripture? The scripture says more and more. The path of the righteous. It's like a shining light. It shines how? No, just, just, I just, just, just say more and more. It shines more Give me, give me KJV. Sometimes I like KJV. This is NKJV. I don't know what's wrong with it today. Give me, uh -huh. ah, KJV. The part of the just like the shining light that shines it. Uh -huh. 
It shineth. How does it shine it? Just say that. How does it shine it? I just want to hear that. What? Come and tell me how. More and more. Not more and less. This is not guesswork. More and more. So, someone said, are you seeing more and more? I might not see more and more, but I know it is supposed to be more and more. So I have to fight for my more and more. Don't tell me that life is undulating. It was. It was until Christ came. When Christ came, he stabilized everything. For by his own word, now you oppose the whole world. That's the doctrine of Christ. We have an advantage in Christ. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews 8, 6, we have a better covenant based on better promises. Why is it better? It's the same promises. So why, our own, why is our own better? Because it has been fulfilled already in Christ Jesus. We're not looking up to the cross. We're looking from the cross. We're not going to victory. We're coming from victory. In Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house, look at it now, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top. Did you see that? Shall be, shall be, means it's going to be. Is that right? Contrast this now with the salmon on the mount. <laughs> Can I, can I give you some, something? It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house, what will happen to it? This is the prophecy, right? Okay. So this is it now. Let me show you something. So, so this scripture says, Isaiah chapter 2 verse 2, and Micah chapter 4 verse 1 says the same thing. It shall come to pass one day, one day, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of the earth. Shall be established where? On top of the mountains. So, oh God, establish me, oh God. Lord, on top of the mountains, oh God. So then Jesus came. And Jesus opened that scripture and says, hmm, shall be established. Jesus was standing where normal people stand. And Jesus said, let me fulfill the scripture for you. So he climbed the mountain very hard. But he was praying very hard. Praying. Praying, 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 praying. Then he climbed the mountain, then he got to the top of the mountain. Then he now preached the sermon on the mount. Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. It's called the sermon on the where? Because now he, the house of God himself, the embodiment of the fullness of the Godhead bodily, is now standing on the mountain. And guess what he now said when he was there? Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Look at what he now said. I'm the light of the world. A city, you are the light of the world. A city what? Not to be established on the hill anymore. Set upon the hill. Why? Why is he set upon the hill? Because he has climbed that hill for you. So when you put your trust in him now, he did the struggle for you. So when you put your trust in him now, you are not going to be established on the top of the mountain. You are now set, where now? Come on now. On top of that hill. That is what is called grace. So for you to still try to be established, it's called works. You are falling from grace. This is Bible. So I'm not praying to succeed. I'm asking God to show me what I need to align with. 
because success is my heritage. It's inside my DNA. I've never in my life prayed, oh God, please let my skin be dark. Oh God, let my skin be dark. No, my father, I took it from him. <laughs> and just in case I missed that chromosome from my father, my mother made sure it came. Are you following that? As far as my mother, my mother actually was lighter. My mother was lighter. I should, I should say that. My mother was lighter. That's why some of my sisters are a bit lighter. But I took it from my dad completely. Just took it from him. Then, just in case I missed it a bit, the sun in Africa made sure. I've never prayed in my life. Oh God, let me be black. It just came with my DNA. I'm not going to. Jesus is. When I give my life to Christ, I'm a joint here with Christ. If he's on top of the mountain, I'm also on top of the mountain. What am I doing at the bottom of the mountain? Satan, get out of my life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's what is called grace. That's why Peter, Paul was able to say, I am what I am by the grace of God. So when we stand and we say, shall we lift up our hands and worship Jesus? We're worshiping him because he's the one that climbed the mountain for us. This is what, all through scripture, this is woven. I just give you one example. Don't buy into all this doctrine that people tell you. Do you know what people told me when, I, when we started as a, as, a, as a church? All the things they told me, all the reasons they gave me, why church will not grow, why this will not happen, why that will not happen. Thank God I didn't buy into it. So, keep that in mind. Let, let me just, let me, let me leave that for now. Were you, are you blessed today? Now, now listen. Point number three, I'll just quickly, I'll rush through it. Point number three is this. The most important prayer you can pray in the wilderness is not a prayer for things. It's a prayer of inquiry. Please write it down. The prayer of inquiry. This is an art that has been lost in the body of Christ now. We don't know how to pray the prayer of inquiry anymore. We are only just praying for things. Oh God, give me a job. Oh God, a job. Oh God, gain full employment. Oh God, a job where I can rest. Oh God, give me a job. Oh God, oh God, give me a job. And God is saying, you just pray for things. You are in the, going through a wilderness period. Don't just pray for things. Only immature people consistently pray for things. As you mature, you don't pray for take, Let's take it from the natural then to the spiritual and I will show you. In this particular story, when they went to Jehoshaphat, what they asked for was that he would show them the way. Let's look at it. Second Kings chapter 3. Let's start from verse 12. They said, Jehoshaphat, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and king of Edom went down to him. Keep going. From verse 14, Elijah said, As the Lord, I will surely not have hazarded you, but for the presence of Jehoshaphat, I will not have looked at you. Now see you. So now bring me a musician. Okay. So when they went to him, they went to seek Jehoshaphat to hear the word from him. Okay, verse 11 and verse 12, I think is what it is. Verse 11 and 12. Check it out for me. Okay. That we may inquire of the Lord by him. Verse 11. We're going to inquire of the Lord. We're not asking Elisha to give us water. What are we, what are we doing? Inquire of the Lord by him. Inquire of the Lord. Prayer of inquiry. This is an ask that is lost in the body of Christ. People don't have to pray this anymore. Oh God, give me a job. And God say, keep quiet. Ask me. Inquire of me. That I may answer you. Lord, thank you for what you have done through Christ Jesus. What should I do, oh God? To enter into that which you have provided. 
Not you say, I've done everything. I've done everything. I've prayed. I've fasted. You see, when you say that, you don't even know the implication of what you're saying. You're saying, oh God, see how reliable I am and see how unreliable you are. Everything you say I should do, I fulfill my own part of the contract. But here you are. Typical God. That's the same thing you did for my sister the other day. That's the same thing you did for that woman I saw on the, on the night. You're unreliable. I fasted, I prayed. So what else should I do? Still, you haven't given me the job. That's what you're really saying. But God, I know you're a faithful God. You have not failed. Abraham, you did not fail him. Isaac, you stood by him. Jacob, even in his trouble, you were by him. You showed up as the God of Bethel in the midst of his trouble. When everybody left Daniel and it was in lion's, lion's den, you were there. In the fiery furnace, furnace you stood by Shadrach, Michelle, and Abednego. You are the God who sticks closer than a brother. What a reliable God you are. I know you want the best for me. For your word says, you know, I know the thoughts I have towards you, they're good, not of evil. Father, show me the way out. What do you want me to do? Now you have positioned yourself to hear. Then God tells you, very simply, all I want you to do is forgive all the people that have offended you. You know, that's what God told that woman. In the service we had here in Solution Night, she was sick. She said, when, she, when I stand up, I feel, you know, I feel offended and I collapse. She couldn't move. She couldn't go to work. She couldn't do anything. And the word of knowledge came that there's somebody that is joined to this service now that some of your, your friends have disappointed you, they've offended you. God said, forgive them and you'll be healed. She wrote she had a testimony here. No, but that kind of a woman would have been praying, oh God, heal me. Oh God, heal me. By yourself. And God said, it's got nothing to do with stripes. It has something to do with offenses. Lord, what should I do? Prayer of inquiry. Now, can I, say, can I say a few things? It's burning my heart. This is what African tradition tells us we should never do. African tradition tells us we can't question God. Lie of the devil. That's not biblical. Can I speak? These people are upset with me already. They felt I was yelling at them. You're okay, guys. You, you have an African man. If I yell, you understand. African people, because, you know, you know, <laughs> like one man said, you know, you know, it, it actually it took me some time to get used to this. How, maybe I'm upset with my children at home, and then five minutes, not 50 minutes, five minutes later, when my son was very young, coming to that, there's a match going on, can I go and watch? Eh? You know, these are things that, I can't even go, you, know, you can't even enter my head. When I was young, when, you, when your dad is upset with you, when you want to, your mom says, go and bring something, what you're supposed to bring is far away. This is the way you go. You go near the wall. You understand? You keep on going. You'll be watching the man, hoping that the man doesn't look at you. When the man says, who is that? It's me, sir. Do you wrong? When this one is coming to you and say that, it's kind of going to And when I say, mm, I grow like a lion. Then he says, Dad, you're still upset, Dad? I'm like, but I have a right to still be upset now. The one that beat me the most was one day when he told me that. He did something, I was about to encourage him. You understand? And he said, he said I've already asked God for forgiveness. I said, ah, that's God. Don't worry about that. This, I'm not God. God has given me responsibility. What do we, God has forgiven you, but come here, my brother. Take your, take your, take your, take your due reward. Tell me that. Uh, 
you ask God for forgiveness. <laughs> did, I, did I share blood for you? <laughs> Listen to me. So, so, because in Africa, you can't go to your dad and begin to ask your dad questions. Uh, well, at least some of you have very powerful relationships with your parents, and I have a good one with my dad, but fear will not allow me to go to my dad and say, uh, 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 Dad, when are you coming to see me in school? I mean, your dad will first drop the newspaper he's reading, and he will think, he will, he think he's raptured, that, ah! <laughs> what he's actually thinking is that, where should I start from? <laughs> How do I rearrange the brain of this boy? So because of that fear, we have transposed that to God, that we can't ask God questions. No, we can't. If you come back home with a rental car today, you go back home now today with a rental car, with a Mercedes Benz, nice one, S-Class, okay? You just wanted to enjoy yourself. I guarantee you, as you are coming down and your children come out, they see the car, they'll still be looking, where's daddy? When the nasty come out of it, they say, the first thing, they, when they, before they even greet you, they say, dad, did you buy a new car? Dad, is this your car? They were going to the car, they've left you. That, did you rent the car? <laughs> they will ask, well, you can, can you do that? We can ask God questions. We don't question God's intention rudely, but we can ask God questions reverently. Do you see the difference? We can't question God's intention. Oh God, why did you create the sun and it rises from the east? Uh, 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 you can't do that. But you can ask God reverently. Reverently. Matthew 17, 19. I will give you six or seven verses of scripture just to convince you. And then maybe I will close on this one. I hope somebody is learning something today. Prayer of inquiry. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Matthew 17, 19. When the disciples came to Jesus privately, they said, why could we not cast it out. Now, Matthew chapter 10 verse 1, he gave them power over every demon and over every disease. When he had called his disciples, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out. So, so if you give me power to cast them out, I've gone there to cast them out. I've been casting out. Then I encountered this one. I tried to cast it out, but no, it, did not, it was not cast out. So, Matthew 17, 19, when Jesus now came and solved the problem, they went to him privately. Master, what happened? Why could we not cast it out? We told you, your word says you have given us. Your word says you've given us the power. Why could we not cast it out? Then Jesus now told them what they did not know before. He gave them more revelation. Keep going, please. He now says, he said, if you have faith, as the mustard seed, keep going. Verse 21. This one, you need prayer. There's actually dimensions to this thing he was telling them. So this particular dimension, prayer and fasting need to have been in place to strengthen your faith and reduce the level of your unbelief for you to be able to engage with God's power to drive this one out. But they didn't know this before. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? They could say, well, we did everything. Jesus said, cast it out in our name, we did it. Sometimes this thing works, sometimes this doesn't work. No, from that place, people have built doctrines, written books, volumes of books. The demons that will not go out, part one. No, you ask questions. Father, what, do I, what, am, what am I missing? What is the one thing I lack? What should I do? Ask questions. You know, one of, the, one of the serious encounters I had in my life was because I asked a question. It was in 2004. We were doing the building project in, in Lenwood Drive. 
and all of a sudden we ran into financial situations. And the, the contractor came one Saturday, I was there, you know, in front of the church. They had this little construction cabin where I was staying, you know, for as I was using it as an office temporarily. And the, I saw the, the, the agents came, came in and they were picking the equipment. So I went to the first one, why are you picking it? He said, well, you, you guys couldn't pay the money. You know, he didn't know I was a pastor of church, he was just saying. Then I went to the second one also, came in about 30 minutes later, same thing. So I, I went back into that cabin, Saturday night. So I started praying. God, what are we going to do now? God, you know, pray, bro, God. I was just recounting the whole situation to God. Then as I was recounting it, which in a way, I was accusing God of his lack of faithfulness. God, this is 2004. This is your house. This is your days. Lord, you have to be able to pay for your house. People will say you cannot pay for this house. God, you see my heart. You see that I'm not doing this thing for any other reason. Oh, God, I did not hear anything. God did not say a word. I kept on saying all of everything I was going to say. All this while I was on the floor. Then all of a sudden, I got to the point where I said, Lord, as we started this program and so on and so forth, because of this point now, we ran out of money. As I said, we ran out of money. That statement must have really gotten God in one place. God just said to me, say to me, I had him. You have not run out of money. You have run out of faith. I was lying on the floor. December 2004, 17 years ago, life. I had the voice of God. You've not run out of money. You... I was the only one in that cabin. It was like somebody was there. I stood up. Run out of faith. What does that mean? Then suddenly, I started searching the scripture. I searched the scripture and I found out it is true. What should I do now, Lord? It took me to Matthew chapter 14. The rest is history. I saw how Peter was walking on water and everything was fine. Then suddenly, he saw the wind and he started sinking. He ran out of faith. And Jesus saved him and said, Oh, you of little faith. So it wasn't the wind. It was that he ran out of faith. Eh. And, but the Bible says Jesus saved him and they were now in the boat. Ah, from that experience, I came up with two-part series called Looking Forward to a Glorious Future. Maybe I will preach that sermon one of these days. Those sermons, fiery. In the church service the following Sunday, that was on Saturday night, we needed some serious amount of money. You know, it's still a serious amount of money now, but, you know, relatively at that time it was humongous. I didn't have faith for something like that at that time. We needed hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe about two hundred or three hundred thousand dollars, something like that. From that, the church was about two hundred people, two hundred, two twenty people. From that experience on Saturday night, I came into the service on Sunday morning. A different woman. Me. I started speaking boldly, speaking boldly. At the end of the service, I gave a presentation. This is what's going on with the project. This is what the bank said. This is that we're going to need some money. We're going to need some, you know, some of you to sow some seeds. Some of you cannot sow the seeds, which is how God has, you know, you know, led me to do it. Some of you cannot sow the seeds, but maybe you can bring it to the church, and the church will give you back later on. That service, we had the one hundred sixty-five thousand dollars that was spent to the church from that one service. I said, "Hey, friends, listen to me. <laughs> listen to me. Somebody else. That's how the whole thing will have packed up." And will have said, sometimes you know, God builds in his church and the gates of hell does not prevail. Sometimes the gate of hell prevails. No. It's lack of faith. By God, pray the prayer of inquiry. God, what should I do? And God can say, forgive. For some of you, God will just say, come to church. That's all. Some of you, God will just say, stop fighting your wife. For you're fighting your wife, your prayers are hindered. That's all. So for some of you, God will just say, treat your in-laws very well. Send them gifts. Some of God will just say, honor your parents. 
That's all. You know, it's very simple. Don't have an arrogant attitude that you have already done everything. That I've done everything. So God is a liar. That's what you're saying. Is this helping somebody here today? Ask God. One man of God said, I asked, God, why is this church not growing? Three-day fast. Why is this church not growing? Simple question. Take a question to God. Then you see God make a way. God, why don't I yet, why am I yet not married? What is going on? What should I do? What part of it am I missing? Then God will show us. Praise the Lord. Well, however, let me close with that. Oh, I said I was going to give you a few more scriptures. Mark 7, 17. Just write them down. Mark 9, verse 10 to 12. Mark 13, verse 3. All talking about inquiries. Jeremiah 33, verse 3. You know? Jeremiah 33, verse 3. Mark 13, verse 3. I said. Mark 7, 17. Mark 9, 10 to 18. Luke 18, 18. These are all scriptures that talk about disciples always constantly coming to ask God, Jesus. Ask Jesus, sorry. Ask Jesus questions, questions, questions. All right, let me close today. You've been blessed, right? So, pray this prayer of inquiry. Before we take the new year, pray the prayer of inquiry. Lord, I'm going to the new year. What should I focus on? What should I do? These issues that have not, that were not solved in 2021, ask God. What should I do, Lord? What should I do? Father, I cannot continue this way. What should I do? Ask him. Let me, let me close. In order for the prayer of inquiry to be effective, for you to be inspired by God for a solution where you have hit a dead end, listen carefully. You need to approach God not with complaint, but with a song. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 29. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 29. It says, you shall have a song. You shall have a song when you come to the mountain of the Lord. Verse 30. And the Lord will cause his glorious voice to be heard. So you, for you to hear that voice of God, you can't go with complaint, Lord, you see me now. See how things are with me. All my mates are just marrying left, right, center. Left, right, center. How many weddings will I go to? Oh, God. No. Oh God, you see me now. See, as my friends are just buying houses, buying houses. Every time I put money together, then something happens. Lord, why are you going to be looking at me this way? Lord, you see, I have no job and I have four children. These are your children, oh God. These are your children. And how, how am I going to feed them? I want to work. I'm qualified. I have certificate, but I can't work. No. You come with a song. You come with a song. You come with a song. Can I hear an amen? Elisha said, Bring me a musician. Actually, my fourth point is this. My fourth point is godly and anointed music is needed for Holy Spirit inspiration. Godly and anointed music is needed for Holy Spirit inspiration. Godly and anointed music. A lot of the musics we listen to today, you know, many of them are not really, you know, they're, they're good for entertainment value. But maybe not as not many of them are seriously anointed. Godly and anointed music. But I'm glad that today we have Auntie Anne, very anointed and very godly woman. And, and the band and Pavel Praise, they're going to be leading us in a few minutes. 
I want you to have this song. Forget about the complaint. Forget about the issue. This is how God is going to give you direction. This is how God is going to give you direction. Live how you are feeling. That's not you. It's Satan whipping up your flesh. Lord, I know I'm not feeling right. But Lord, your promises. That's why, you know, those people that give their lives many, many years ago, when I was very young, those people were real Christians. Not today's the nomenclature Christians. People that just have, they call themselves Christians just in names. Character zero. So Christians that will borrow money from somebody and will not, will, not, will not pay back and use the money to go and buy Gucci. That's not a Christian. That's the manipulator. That's not a Christian. Christians, real genuine Christians, those people didn't need sense evidence to believe God. They just held on to God's promises because they judge him faithful. We used to call them SU, which stands for Scripture Union. But it doesn't mean all of them were in that particular fellowship called Scripture Union. It just means that even when you see them, you know they're Christians. The way they look, they just look, they look gentle. Even when you say, Brother Nii, aren't you all upset? They look gentle. Like Pastor Matthew Ashimolo used to say, he said he used to stay in the same room with one, when I was very young with one of his friends. He said, even that guy, he said the guy was so born again that even in his sleep, when he turns around in bed to stretch, when he stretches, ah, hallelujah. hallelujah. <laughs> These people were very seriously born again. They were born again, toro, toro. Character has changed. These were not people that were always logging into amiibo.com. Those are people that used to sing songs like, When I remember his promises, I shout hallelujah. When I remember his promises, shout ah. These people didn't have money. They, didn't, they couldn't feed their children. The children would ask, Mommy, where, where are you going to eat this money? And they would keep on singing. When I remember his promises, I shout hallelujah. When I remember his promises, I shout. Not to you that you wake up in the morning, you have set your sound system. Hallelujah. To play. Domwen. And Domwen is playing. Here we are. No, today we're not here. Just sit back. Here we are. What do you mean here we are? Here we are to do what? Lifting our hands to what, to what now? No, no, no. Junior, Junior, put it off, put it off. No, no, no. That's a bad attitude. These people, they had joy, even though they didn't have happiness. There's nothing to be happy about, but they had joy. And God upheld them. You know, um, Dr. Mensah Otabel, many of you remember him, great man of God from Ghana. He's been here several times. Consider, we consider him to be a very good friend of the house here in the house of praise. His mom was born again. His mom had a Bible where God had given promises that she would go around the world and everything. The world was giving promises. She was receiving those promises for documental Otabel, for greatness and everything. She wrote it in her Bible. Wrote it in her Bible when Dr. Obesa Otabel was still very young and it didn't look like it at all. And she would be singing songs to thank God for the promise that will happen. There was a young man I met many years ago, some five, six years ago, called Frank Edwards. Another music artist. He was, he, he, he was sharing his testimony of how his mom used to take him to fellowship. And his mom would be singing the songs while they were poor. But they were holding on to the raw promises of God. Where are those Christians again? Not the Christian that lost his job for RBC, but they got another one in Scotia Bank the following week and they're still angry. The 
Christians that will still look at the diagnosis. And the diagnosis says liver is packed up, kidney 5%. This one, lungs about to go. And when I remember his promises, I shout, Hallelujah. When I remember his promises, I shout, Hallelujah. They know God is faithful, he will not fail. Even in the last minute, God will show up. They know that. I'm praying for you today. In the name of Jesus that is above every name. Everything that will bring complaint, I rebuke it in Jesus' mighty name. This is the end of the message. We are sure that you have been blessed. For more information, please visit our website at www.houseofpraise.ca. God bless you.